Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in South Florida, it's time for South Florida Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of South Florida Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Diaz Trade Law, your customs expert. Today on South Florida Business Radio, we have Mark Aptekin with MAD. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. I am so excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us about MAD. How are you serving folks? We're kind of a strange full-service agency with a heavy like a heavy avenue toward tech. We do a lot of motion capture, 3D, volumetric studios. We're just kind of all over the place on the tech side, um, heavy into NFTs, as well as all your kind of everyday advertising. So what's your what's your backstory? How'd you get involved in this line of work? Uh, just kind of fell into it. I was a fine art photographer um, and I was working at a print shop, you know, while I was in school and just, kind of started the the owner of the print shop would let me play with the computer at night so with that um it kind of led into graphic design in the print industry and in the mid 90s a lot of the big print shops were trying to have in-house ad agencies and so that's kind of when i got into the business and uh, learned about advertising always had kind of a love for data and tech and um kind of went from there and then other than that the business just kind of grew by opportunity when one of our clients would have something that they wanted to get into, we would kind of pilot it on ourselves and then prove that we could do it and then come back to them with what we've done. And a lot of times that opened the door for us to be able to do it for them. Now, can you talk about your lens of coming at this through the eyes of an artist into the world of using art and creativity for commerce? Yeah. I mean, it's really the backbone of everything we do, right? So I think we look at everything that anybody brings us as a problem to solve. And so we do it through, you know, creative thinking. So everything is solved, you know, from the creative process. And that even comes down to hardware solutions or, you know, we, we did a photo booth for Southeast Toyota JM family. And, you know, they came to us really for software. Um, and as they talked to us about it, they wanted uh, someone who could actually do the, both a hardware and software solution. And through some of the manufacturing and printing things that we did, I explained how I kind of do what they do, but on a, a smaller scale with some stuff we do for the telecom industry. And, you know, we we had to get super creative with the footprint, with the speed that they needed to do things and everything like that. So, you know, for me, it was just sitting down with surrounding yourself with super smart people, you know, and having creative conversations to solve problems. Now, part of your work is through this mad arts and mad labs. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works and and how those were born? Sure. So um, mad arts was something that we'd done for quite some time. And it was really uh, a nonprofit part of the business that was like a pay it forward. It was based on something that was done for me while I was an artist that had an influence on, you know, the basically everything that I've ever done. And um, the the gallery that used to show my work, uh, the gentleman who ran at Brooke Dorsch, he, he would give me space like um, inside the gallery to go play and just you know, things that I wouldn't have had access to because I had no money. Right. So space, resources, time, you know. Um, so with that, that had such an impact on everything that I ever did, you know, that understanding and that ability to play. 
you know, we, we, when we were in a position to, we decided to, you know, create mad arts as a pay it forward. And we would give artists space and, um, resources that we had within the agency or the print shops or friends or wh- whatever we could give them to help them, you know, complete a project that they were having trouble bringing to life. Um, through that, um, a lot of the things that we were doing on the tech side. So a lot of the 3D stuff, uh, now NFTs, but, um, just the technology side and a lot of the technologies that we were using, which was turned into the Mad Labs division of our company. Um, you know, so now we're about to open a museum on the second floor of our building that's going to be kind of an extension of both Mad Labs and Mad Arts. It's almost like a mashup between the two. Now, how important is it to have that type of a community where artists can collaborate, um, mash up, you know, help each other, but help themselves? Um, in the art world, I would think that something like that is um, critical in terms of building an ecosystem that supports artists. Yeah, I mean, it's not... I, I know that there's lots of organizations that help artists like that. Um, I don't know of one that does it in the same way. Um, you know, a lot of times it's they apply for a grant and they just get money, right? And then they're still left to kind of just figure it out. On right, like they're still on their own. Like in, they're yeah. isolated. Yeah. This is kind of sounds like it's fostering community and you're well, trying to help everybody help each other, yeah. but also help the community. Right. So, you know, when we put on a show for the artists, the we only take 25%. A a typical gallery would take 50 or 60%. So we take that 25%, but we make the artist choose. We donate that 25% to the next artist or an artist of the artist choosing. So we kind of force them to pay it forward kind of like we are and create that. And it's, um, you know, you just see, you know, it makes the artist look at it a little differently. And, you know, it, it took a little while actually to get it going when I first tried to do it there was a lot of skepticism with the artists that I was trying to talk to, to get it done. Um, you know, and it once, once you got it rolling, then you just saw really a community build behind it. And a lot of the artists that we help you, 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 you find that they find each other, um, you know, either through events here at the building or, you know, they just learn that, Oh, you know, you're one of the, we used to call the space bad space. And they're like, Oh, you're one of the bad space artists. And, um, yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's one of the most rewarding things that, that, that I do. Um, but I also think, you know, we get creative energy from it, you know, being around super creative people, you know, with whacked out ideas is, you know, it couldn't be better for, uh, you know, for, for, for what we do on the business side. Now, can you share a story, uh, maybe that origin story where there was an artist that kind of the light bulb went off and they're like, Hey, I get this. And then maybe they were able to bring on another artist or they were able to support a different artist and give them an opportunity. um, Yeah. So uh, when I originally took the space, I was, I just wanted artists to come in and use the space and every artist that I brought in um, the first one that I brought in was, or or told about it, he came by and I was still cleaning out the warehouse and it was, it was super dirty. And we kind of called it the, uh, for, for the type of space it was, I called it the right amount of shitty. It was just right. It was a dirty wa- warehouse that used to be an ironworks factory. A lot of the stuff was still in there. But so he came in and I was telling him, I was like, yeah, I'm just looking to give space away. He started like backing, backing away for the door. And uh, I, he was, we, we had friends in, in common and I had known him over the years. He had done some album covers for some musician friends of mine. And uh, 
just he he just didn't believe that it was really free right so um there was an architect friend of mine who had decided he was going to stop doing architecture and uh try and be a full-time artist uh his medium was ceramics so i brought him in and i'm telling him i'm like hey i'm this is what i'm trying to do and you know come bring your your wheel and all your tools and just set up here man and he's like it's free and i'm like yeah it's free and we kind of went back and forth free 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 you know and uh so finally i was like scott just bring your stuff and so once he was in there and then other people would come and um he was kind of like this good he was a little older and so i think he was a good kind of <clears throat> safe you know uh mouthpiece that hey this is a legitimate place and they're doing good and they really just want to help artists and from there um in a pretty about 2000 square foot warehouse we ended up with about eight artists working um and i think they really collaborated and some of the work that they did was um really that they were able to do in that space really kind of pushed their career um pretty far you see that some of those are you know kind of top emerging artists in south florida right now now you mentioned nfts uh first off can you explain nfts for the folks that aren't familiar with that i I know it's in the news a lot but some people still don't know what it is so if you could explain kind of foundationally what it is and then um how you're able to kind of leverage that for the art world sure uh stands for non-fungible token um it's more or less just a digital asset of any kind is really what it is. The way it's used in art world is, um, you know, it's, it's a digital piece of art, um, sometimes with a utility attached. So, um, you know, an artist can create, uh, much like a print, they can create a series, right? So it could be a one of one, or it could be a one of 1000. Um, and so, it's mostly, I shouldn't say mostly, it's collected, you know, using cryptocurrencies. So it's uh, when someone buys an NFT, that transaction is recorded on the blockchain. So it's an absolute proof of authenticity from the artist, as well as, you know, a forever record that you've purchased this and what price you purchased it for. Everything on the blockchain is super transparent. So, you know, you can look up how many times that piece of art has been sold, you know, you might not know who bought it exactly, but you'll know what digital wallet had it. Um, so um, we got into it. We're not really crypto people, but you know we love the blockchain and the, and the power of what it can do. And then the, the ability and things that you can do with NFT art, um, such as have it intersect with data and be a constant piece of living art that changes constantly by you know letting it um, have a data feed. Or just, at, you know, one of the pieces that when I was first exploring it that I loved, an artist said, hey, in eight months, this piece is going to change. And he wrote that into the smart contract, which is basically the code that makes up the NFT. And eight months later, he changed it to something else that he had a vision for, you know, for the piece. Um, we ended up getting heavily involved with uh, NFTs as they intersect with public art. Um, and we recently created a NFT platform called CodaMade where we're helping uh, municipalities um, create and sell NFTs from the public art that they do within the community and are able to pay for a lot of the, um, like the maintenance and the conservation of these pieces, as well as other pieces in the community. And then also be able to create additional pieces of public art with the hopes that one day the public art agencies will be able to self fund and not take taxpayer dollars for 
public art, but be able to almost be kind of a, a self-funded agency. So I understand like a piece of art could be a painting. And I understand that if I buy a painting from an artist, I can put that painting on my wall and I see it. How, if I own an NFT, what am I, what do I have and what can I do with it? So the, the actual NFT lives in your digital wallet. And that's, that's where I think a lot of the, the, you know, the questions come. Certainly I had the exact same question when I first started. Oh, that's weird. I just have this digital file, but you know, any smart TV can display your NFT, right? Any screen can do it. So with Codamade that we got into, um, we have a hardware component where we're doing hardware sales, anything from LED walls to simple screens that can display it in your house or um, projectors. Um, you know, since we do, we do a lot of projection art and a lot of the artists that we work with do projection art, there's ways to do it with projectors. So any, it can be on your computer, it can be on your phone, um, you know, any, it can be displayed you know, any way. It's just, it's just digital art at the end of the day. But if I have this painting that's on my wall, that painting, if it's a, you know, not a print, if it's an actual painting of the original, I have that on my wall. If I have an NFT and I'm projecting it on the wall, like how does uh, somebody could have a, a copy of that or a print of that? And wouldn't it look exactly identical to what I have? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's hard to make an argument one way or the other, depending on what your view is on it. Right. So I could say that, you know, I can go into a poster store and buy a Gustav Klimt poster for $10, but yet the actual paintings, millions of dollars, if not priceless. Right. Right. So, you know, but lots of people have those Gustav Klimt paintings framed and in their house, you know, recreate, recreating recreations that are not very expensive. So, you know, it's the, and at the end of the day, there are recreations of something that's worth a lot of money. You know, the authentication here is your, your, your asset is that digital file that sits in your digital wallet. You can have prints of it. You can, you know, you could print it and frame it, you know, there's there's nothing saying you can't do that. You can project it. You can put it on an LED screen. It's just a different medium. You know, um, you know, people have been doing digital art for a long, long periods of time. Um, you know, and you know, we 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 helped uh, an artist named Edison Penafil, and he did a twelve project, and he had a solo show in Madrid at a at a gallery there, and he had uh, it was twelve projectors that took over the whole gallery. But how does he sell that? And that was a big problem, right? It was this amazing piece of art with well, actually a lot of thought and effort put into it. And it had a social statement attached to it. But, you know, how does he sell a 12 projection, um, you know, installation? And so, you know, utilizing NFTs, you can. And, you know, somebody can display a portion of that. that. So, you know, a collector that, you know, would buy it unless he set up those projectors at his house or in a warehouse or somewhere else. He just owned the intellectual idea of that show. So this is a way that he can display and show portions of it. You know, so that's, that's one aspect of it. Now, is it, um, it, it feels like we're at the very beginning of the beginning for NFTs. 100%. It's like the wild west. Um, I, I love it as a medium. I think, you know, uh, as a photographer prior, you know, there was a time where photography wasn't considered real art, right? Anybody can press a button it had no value artistically painting and sculpture and all these things were real art and photography wasn't. And, you know, that changed over time when people saw, you know, the creative things that were done with it. And, you know, 
you could you could say a lot of the things that you're saying about NFT is about hey anybody can have it is very true you know with prints right so if I had a, a photograph even prior to the digital days that we're in now with a dark room I could just with my negative make hundreds if not thousands of prints and lessen the value of my art right because it's it's out there so um, I think the NFTs it's just a new medium and you know kind of what the artists end up doing with it is where the values can be created. And and we're just at the beginning. So right now it's just clunky and chaotic because we're all learning together um, in real life in real time. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the early day NFTs were were like these uh, PFPs, which is picture for profile. Um, I wouldn't say that. And again, I'm not going to judge it one way or the other. But for my liking, I don't think a lot of the art was amazing. Um, and then kind of with the downturn and some of the things that have happened with the cryptocurrencies, you saw a lot of the artists that were doing just, you know, a- amateur type work, they kind of fell away, but artists that were doing real work, the value of their NFTs stayed, right? Because they're professional artists doing professional grade work and, you know, um, Rafiq Anadol, somebody that is in the public workspace, like, you know, like where we are. Um, you know, he had two NFTs recently that sold at Sotheby's, one for $1.3 million and another one for one point eight. Um, very unique pieces that you couldn't really do his pieces any other way. So I think he's someone who's kind of at the forefront of finding, you know, really exploiting the medium for, for what it can do right now. And it's one of those things I remember at the beginning of the internet, they were saying that if you're not in web one, you're never going to be ready for web 2.0. And it sounds yeah. like it's the same thing here. If you're not playing around with this space and experimenting, you're not going to be ready when it starts maturing and then it, uh, it'll leave you behind. That's a hundred percent the way we're looking at it. Again, it's, um, you know, I don't think being attached to cryptocurrencies is a, is a help for it. Currently with the existing art market, you do have, you know, the current NFT community, which isn't ginormous, but it's big, um, you know, that that likes it that way. But I think really what they're doing is commodifying something in a way much like the sneaker community, commodified sneakers. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just think it's it's missing the mark for fine art is, you know, and I think that's going to have a correction over the next three to five years. And it's one of those things when it paired with crypto, you're getting two uh, new chaotic confusing entities together yeah. and that didn't yeah. bring more clarity <laughs> it might have right. created more confusion i think it did you know and all the all the all the nft marketplaces particularly you know, i'm not gonna say all but you know the the ones that are that have a lot of art on them and that are well known uh open which does about 80 percent of the nft sold sell on open they they now accept credit card payments and they put the value both in US dollars and in the the ETH value, right? Right. Nifty Gateway Foundation, um, Rarible, Super Rare, all these NFT marketplaces all follow suit. They all take credit cards now. So um that's gonna be a big change for it and that's gonna make it a, that's gonna open it up to a lot more people. Um, you know, but you know, kind of like what you said, it's early days and you know. It's, um, if nothing else, it's been a learning curve and a lot of fun. Now, you mentioned Codemade and, um, and talking about public art. Uh, so are you finding these, the, the public art is a, a group that is open to this? Very much so. So, um, you know, you have, uh, 
you know, when you talk about the public art artists, you know, these are a lot of the time it's, you know, high value pieces that they're doing and they're large scale pieces, right? So um, there's a piece where I am in Fort Lauderdale, um, an artist named Susan Arduli had gotten commissioned to, uh, to light uh, a, two of the bridges here in Fort Lauderdale that are about three blocks apart, you know, and so, you know, when she talked about what can I do to to do this, um, you know, it was like, um, there's a sense of community behind it, right? So I, I can't take her work home with me. It's on this giant bridge, right? So, you know, the idea of that, that, you know, people within the community could own a piece of the work that's represented, that's represented in such a large way within the community, there's been an, an immense amount of interest in it, both from the artists, from the public art agencies, from the fabricators that help that help the artists with a lot of these things. It was it was a community that really opened its arms to the idea of it. And it and it creates another path to monetize an experience. Yeah, I mean there's a you know, I think with NFTs there's a lot of different ways to look at it, right? It can absolutely be monetized. Um there's utilities that could go with it, right? So um there's proof something called a POAP, which is a proof of attendance NFT, which generally are not, you know, it's it's not a monetary transaction. It's proving that you were at an event. So if there was an, a grand opening for, you know, the, the, the unveiling of a piece of public art, you know, you could have this proof of attendance NFT that was given away to everybody that came, you'd scan, a, you'd scan a code and you'd receive it and you transfer it to your digital wallet. Now you've gotten this, um, you know, it's, Think of it almost like your ticket ticket stub back in the day, right? You know, this is it's this memorialization that you were at this event, and you know you're taking pride in in you know art that's created in your community, and it's and it's building again. I think, like most things with Web three, there's generally a sense of community that's behind it. Um, most of the NFT artists, when they when they do sales, you know, they have a certain percentage that goes to a charity. Um, so you you see that almost one hundred percent of the time. So what do you need more of? How can we help you? Uh, awareness, you know, really just, you know, uh, we're not real good at uh, touting what we're doing. And I think, uh, you know, just an awareness of what we're doing and, and the community that we're trying to build here. And that's for the Mad Arts community? Yeah. So you're looking for more artists and you're looking for more folks to kind of support these artists? Yeah, you know, just to, to be aware of what we're doing and, you know, even even if it's just coming out to see what we're doing, you know, that that's great. That supports the artists, you know, when they come and they see how, you know, the shows are already busy, but, you know, the more people that come and see it and that are aware of the artists, you know, that that always drives more things. So if somebody wants to connect with you or learn more about this, what's the website? What's the best way to plug in? Uh, yes, we are madarts.com. And then if they want to check out Codemade and the things that we're doing with, uh, with the public art, it's codemade.com. Well, Mark, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work, and we appreciate you. All right, Lee, thank you for having me. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on South Florida Business Radio. 